Tonight we begin looking back. The information is not easy to present. I want to say that I honor my parents, family, and God. I feel that this needs to be in the least reviewed for the American public. Given the state we are in, the issues we are facing, and what myself and countless others are experiencing firsthand, I feel that doing this is important to address. This is about our children and families. We cannot truly ensure safety and protection without asking the hard questions and coming together. This premiere is an introduction to the records that we have, review of the original incident report and clips from the days after Adam's disappearance. We are here for narrative versus truth, to look at what we have allowed and believed. <clears throat> And, and if that is truly serving us and protecting our children and families, it is essential to look from many perspectives and at all info, actions, and outcomes. We ask viewers to give thoughts, questions, or info on the, on the comment section and live chat. Thank you for joining us tonight. Six-year-old Adam Walsh is still missing at this hour. The sandy-haired youngster disappeared from the Sears Hollywood Mall between 12.30 and quarter to one on Monday afternoon. We've invited his parents, John and Ravey Walsh, to be in Channel 4 studio in the hope that their words might be heard by the person or persons who police believe abducted young Adam. Mrs. Walsh, uh, you were in the store, of course, with Adam when he disappeared. What? What do you think happened? I think that uh, someone could have overheard me tell him where I was going and talked him into meeting me there. Or he could have been chased out of the store by a scuffle that happened during the same amount of time. And from there, he was just scared and didn't know what to do. Now, you went to the lamp department, and Adam wandered over to the toy department nearby. Well, we have to pass the toy department to get to the lamp okay. department, so. And uh, while we're on that subject, uh, uh, Mr. Walsh, I believe the, uh, the police would be anxious to talk to anybody who might have been in Sears on Monday afternoon between 1230 and quarter to one in that vicinity. Am I correct? Yes, they, they feel they're quite surprised that someone hasn't come forth yet. They're, they're totally baffled by Adam's disappearance and convinced that someone has him, but they appeal to anyone that was in Sears from... 12 until 3 that afternoon 12 until 3. to please come forth and contact the Hollywood Department so that we could follow up on that. How was Adam dressed, Mrs. Walsh? He had on a basically red and white horizontally striped Izod shirt, green shorts, and yellow rubber thongs. Mm -hmm. They were blue straps, yellow bottoms on them. He had a, a white, very distinct captain's hat on with a, a navy blue visor. Mr. Walsh, there is, of course, a possibility that someone holding Adam might be watching this station, this program at this moment. What would you say to that person? We love Adam very much, and we have no vengeance for the people that have Adam. We just want them to know that, that the police and we f would feel that if they could please drop him off somewhere, there will be no retaliation we do not want to prosecute the people we just want our son back we 
we feel that uh, the people may be afraid that there will be uh, retaliation, and that is not the case. Uh, we, we are prepared to deal with them in any way, on any terms whatsoever, to get Adam back. Well, let's Good evening and welcome to Reexamined with Megan Walsh. I am Megan's co-host, Gino, and right next to me is the lady of the hour, Miss Megan Walsh. Megan, how are you? Great. How are you, Gino? Thanks for everyone joining tonight. Yes, thank you for joining us, folks. Uh, looking forward to this. Megan, we've talked about this for a long time, and it's finally here. We're going to go step by step through Adam's murder. And um, there is a narrative out there, folks, and that narrative, we believe, needs to uh, be reexamined, hence the name of the show. So tonight, we're going to lay out the groundwork. We're going to go right to the beginning, the genesis of the story uh, in the origin of this narrative that started back way back, July 27th, 1981, when Adam went missing from that Hollywood mall. And so uh, who knows the story better than Megan? Uh, Megan is a walking, I don't know, is it Wikipedia or Encyclopedia now? I don't know. I guess Wikipedia, but but way better than Wikipedia. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> I, I always am in just like in awe of how she can articulate a story and get the points across so everybody understands it and everybody is confident in what she's saying. Because Megan, I've known her for two years, and I can tell you this, folks, Megan tells the truth. She doesn't lie. She tells it like it is. And that's what I've always appreciated about you, Megan. And I am so honored to have met you two years ago and become a good friend. And I'm super excited about Reexamined. I, I'm I'm so excited, Gino. Um, I'm I'm definitely nervous. I have to say to everyone, first of all, this is a very um, sensitive topic for a lot of people, especially myself and my family. Um, but I I do feel that this, as I said in the beginning, um, you know, is very important. I think that it's vital for the American public to be looking back at at these records, you know, hindsight is 2020. And I think that we've learned a lot about, you know, again, that narrative that we've been given uh, through media versus the truth. Um, and we also, as I've always said, know about public persona versus private lives. So I just hope that, you know, with this program, we can continue to, you know, start with Adam's case, but be looking into other cold cases, um, as well as the issues that do affect our children and families, obviously, as I as I always talk about and, and people know me for. Um, but that's really, you know, I know our motivation behind bringing this forward and, and bringing this back. I know that you know, who we're talking about. I know, you know, we all know who we're talking about here. And, uh, and these issues are not easy to talk about. But I would like to, um, you know, I guess, I guess I should say I'm grateful for the opportunity uh, to be able to sit and, and have our viewers really look at this information with us. Um, again, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't have to have, you know, the truth be one way or another. My brother has been gone for, you know, my entire life. I, I was not there. None of us were there. Um, but I, I think that it is very important for us to be looking back at, at these these case files and police records and um, and really seeing what we think you know, looking back on this, um, this this case has been controversial, as we all know, since the day it happened. Uh, we've been told that, you know, up to, what is it, up to three serial killers, nationally known serial killers were involved, um, but yet this was an all-American family. 
uh, you know, that that had nothing, you know, to do with any of that kind of a thing. So I think that it is, again, important for us to look back at who were, you know, the people involved, who are the players, what was going on um, before the media kind of, uh, you know, touched this this case and, and this this family, my family. So I just want to humbly thank everyone for joining us. Um, the, the, the information and the material is definitely not easy uh, to be looking at. And, you know, neither is the issue of child trafficking or child protection, exploitation, um, abuse, any of that. So I just want all of us to, you know, keep that in mind and, and keep our, our, our hearts and our minds open. Um, and again, I, I will thank everyone for doing that that's, that's joining us tonight and, and moving forward. I think it's easy to forget that this is a real person that was murdered. Um, I know it's been in the public's eye for so long. It's really the case that started this um, national outcry, you know, and, and I remember as a kid, I think I was 11 years old and 81. And, you know, I remember my mom told me this little boy in Florida went missing and I was terrified, you know, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's, you know, a little bit younger than me and it's scary. And my mom was scared. And, you know, it was like, it was that, you know, don't talk to strangers speech again and don't take candy from strangers, all that stuff. It was this, this national fear came over us. And I think I, I'm going to try to avoid speculation. I swore I wasn't going to speculate. So I'm not going to speculate. I We're going to get into this right away before I do speculate. I'm going to keep my opinions to myself as much as I can. I am a very opinionated person, so that's hard to do, but I'm going to try my best. Megan, why don't we just get into it? Yeah, I think, and, and, you know, I'm going to say something off that statement, Gino, because, you know, a lot, we all have our opinions, right? And, and, you know, again, I, I lost my, my children, you know, this information has led to the kidnapping of my children, um, the, the taking of my life, uh, the harassment and, and everything that the people that have followed my story are well aware of uh, every day, uh, what I go through. And, you know, I do think that it is very important for us to be looking at that, um, you know, because of the repercussions that have happened just from asking questions and, and making observations and, and putting forth our exact opinion, like you said. So, again, I, I really am thankful that we have these records that we can be looking over, and I really do want our viewers to be engaging, and I'm asking, please, you know, engage in comments, engage in our chat. Um, feel free to send Gino and I, you know, any information or, or things that you think are pertinent for us moving forward, because we will be going over that um, in future shows. So I just I want to put that out there. Absolutely. Yeah, the records we're going to be reviewing, folks, are actual police records tonight. Um, and there are I mean, I don't even know how many there are thousands. There's just they're endless. Uh, but we're just going to get into a few tonight. We're going we're gonna to try to keep these shows relatively short. I mean, about an hour long, probably a little longer. We want to do a Q&A for about 15 to 20 minutes uh, following each episode. So if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, like Megan said, just go ahead and, and later on we'll ask you to drop them in the chat. So uh, be thinking of those. But we're going to get right into the, to the incident report here. This is from, uh, this is actually from July... Uh, what's the date on this one? I think it was July 28th. So the day after Adam went missing, uh, he had gone missing July 27th of 1981. So this is from July 28th of 81. And uh, it's folks, these are old documents and they, I'm sure they were, <laughs> it's one of those old Xerox machines, but I'm going to do my best to read it. It says uh, juvenile was last seen hearing 
I'm sorry, wearing a red and white striped shirt with green Adidas gym shorts, cream colored canvas captain's hat with a blue rim and yellow rubber sandals. Uh, the reporter advises that the above missing person has less, sorry, I think it says, is that what, yeah, reporter. Reporter advises that the above missing person was last seen in the toy department of Sears department store. Missing person was to meet reporter when she was done with her business in another part of the store, namely the lamp department. Uh, reporter returned to toy department approximately 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes after she left the missing person. The missing person was not to be found. Reporter looked for missing person for approximately 40 to 45 minutes after calling police. Now, Megan, the reporter is... Reve Walsh. Yes, that would be Megan's mother uh, and Adam's mother, obviously. Upon arrival, the undersigned officer took info from the reporter. Actually, it's reportee, I think is what it says. Uh, and then notified uh, MCIC, FCIC, I think it says. And report was taken by uh, the officer, Beto, uh, number 617. The undersigned reportee and the grandmother then conducted a store-to-store -store search of the mall, which proved fruitless. The undersigned officer continued search and at approximately 1700 hours handed this investigation over to Lieutenant Walsh. No, no further information available at this time. Did you want to comment on that one, Megan, or did you want to go right into the next incident report? Well, I, I just think, you know, this is an initial incident report. So obviously, you know, many people are not knowing what's going on at this point. Um, but I do find it somewhat vague. Um, and, and, you know, in future shows, we will start, you know, kind of bringing out the points. Again, tonight is a general introduction uh, to start getting everyone warmed up and, and kind of seeing an overall picture here. But I do think that obviously in, in the future, we'll be going back to kind of see how accurate these reports were, um, what kind of information, was it the right kind of information? Again, we are here to really ask the hard questions in how to better protect our, our children and our families moving forward. So if everyone could just keep that in mind. Exactly. Okay, let's move on to the next. You're on mute. Jeez. Oh, I, almost, I never get through an episode. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> the undersigned officer. You say it every time. It's every not. time. I know. It's, it's become a running joke. Sorry. The undersigned <laughs> officer contacted the clerk at the Little General store located at 2960 Taft Street in reference to possible information that he had regarding the missing juvenile, Adam Walsh. The undersigned contacted the clerk identified as George McMullen. Uh, can't read that nine. Oh, his birth date, I think nine, four 37, uh, then his address, Dawson street phone number, blah, blah, blah. Mr. McMullen stated that he had observed the missing juvenile at approximately 1420 on 727-81 near the Northwest corner of the Sears mall parking lot. At this time he had observed the white male speaking with two teenage white males standing next to a 19, 80 or 81 Ford or Chevy, white in color, two-door, possibly a Chevette with a CD, CB antenna on the top. Uh, I think that says, oh, on the trunk. The two white males that he was speaking with are described as follows. 
uh, 13 to 14 years old, five foot seven, long blonde hair, wearing dark blue shorts and a yellow t-shirt. Uh, suspect two, white male, 14 to 15 years old, shorts and prescription type glasses, no further information. Mr. McMullen stated that the young juvenile was speaking with these two white male teenagers next to this vehicle upon which the driver's door was opened. Mr. McMullen did not see the juvenile entered, enter the vehicle, no further information. Any comments before we play the next video, Megan? Yeah, um, and and I and I think that next, you know, show we should pull up a couple of other ones. Maybe that was our our discrepancy here, but I think that this also shows that you know this is one example of the reports that were called in. There were many many reports called in. Um, you know, we we have different, you know, there were certain ones that fit the narrative that were put out. There were, you know, other differing, uh, you know, narratives that were called in. And then there were ones that had nothing, you know, to do with the case. They were fruitless. So mm -hmm. um, this is an example of really seeing that as well as the fact I'd like to point out that um, in some of the other case files we find that and again these are all uh, for free they are all on justiceforadam.com which has been provided by the amazing work and efforts of Willis Morgan um, who does believe that Dahmer uh, was involved he was there that day uh, at the mall as a, a young 30 something year old uh, so, again, there are differing narratives, but here we have this white boy, black boy narrative that keeps coming up. My father is very poignant to bring it up, um, but but beyond that, so so we get stuck on that. And beyond that is the point that no one really that was interviewed that day that we found so far. Now, things the, things might change. We're reviewing these records you know, in real time, slightly before you all, we've had them for years, um, but there are so many, uh, and this, it's been so all over the place uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, that the viewers really are gonna have to bear with us. And if you find something while you're looking that we haven't found, you know, that's what we're here for. That's the point of this, okay? I wanna I want make that clear, but uh, I'll digress for a second to go back to this, uh, you know, the, the boys that were there the day of and the, the witnesses that were asked. And most uh, most often we are finding that no one really could recognize or identify Adam from that day. Uh, you know, they would say, oh, we saw this this child or we saw somebody that might have been him. We saw this scenario of a man and a boy or we thought it was the father and a son or, you know, we, we are very differing uh, stories. There's no congruency here, I guess, is my point uh, to, to that aspect of this this larger picture. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we're going to go into another video here. This is days after Adam's gone missing. I, I believe this is about five, four or five days after he'd gone missing. And this is uh, John Walsh. Gosh, how old was your dad here? 24, 25, something like that? Uh, he's in, I believe he's in his early 30s. Oh, and okay. you know, just 
also to look at, and we'll get more into affidavits and, you know, moving forward, we'll be looking at the history of my parents, you know, leading up to Adam's disappearance, which I think is the biggest part of all of this, to be honest. Um, but, you know, we, we just need to be looking at that and, and kind of see where these affidavits, you know, I, I don't mean to be avoiding things, but I want to give people a mindset to be looking at, you know, from different perspectives and to be questioning not just you know, what we have been told narrative wise. Right. It's been a frustrating five days since six-year-old Adam Walsh was last seen. His disappearance has prompted community-wide concern in South Broward. Late this afternoon, volunteers met with Adam's parents to continue their search. Close to tears, John Walsh stood on a car asking people not to give up hope. We've searched and searched for Adam and we haven't found a body. So everybody thinks he's alive. We do too, and uh, we feel that since you people have searched so hard, the best thing we can do now is get these flyers in everybody's hands because the police are fr so frustrated, nobody's really come forth, and the clues that we have really we haven't, been, haven't come up with anything substantial. Adam's mother, Reve Walsh, says the new strategy in the search is to expand it beyond Hollywood. The most important thing now is to get the fly that the people can do is to get the flyers out of the area. Now they have to use their own detective, you know, the own, their own senses to think of their own ideas. I don't want them to wait for someone to tell them what to do. The reward for information leading to the whereabouts of Adam Walsh is now $50,000. Spiro Canton, Newswatch 10 in South Broward. Boy, this is really hard for me, Megan, when I see videos like that. Um, so, you know, this is, I don't, do you remember how many days, I, I believe it was five days after, I thought that's what I remember, but it could be. I, I believe it's day four to less. five days after, yeah. directly after. Um, and that was something that I was going to point up as well, or bring up before is the demeanor. You know, we have to start looking at, again, these are not things that we really want to bring up, but you know, what, the, this is days after your child has gone missing, uh, has disappeared um, and you know the to watch the demeanor of my parents in the beginning of that clip uh, that's actually my father's brother uh, who's my godfather John, uh, Joe Walsh uh, he's the youngest of my father's side uh, and he's there with the map on the car and he's drawing things out and you know my father is standing on the hood of the car giving this speech which you know, I, I will bring up the, the fact that the quote he says and the terminology, the wording that he, he chooses to use by saying that we haven't found a body yet, you know, knowing later that, you know, Adam was decapitated uh, is an interesting thing. And, th and that's what we're paying attention to here. We're not interjecting just random, you know, notions or to sway a narrative or to sway a story for hype. We're here to look at these deeper kind of perspectives of this situation that got lost uh, because of the media outpouring, because of the the emotional nature uh, of the case and, and what was put out, right? So here we're seeing days after, you know, my mother's in a trench coat, uh, you know, saying that she wants people to use their detective work, you know, like it's 
to me, it comes off as a caddy thing. Again, I know we're, you know, look, we said from the beginning that we're going to try and stay away from opinions and everything, but we also have to bring in human nature here. Um, and, and, you know, thinking about putting ourselves in, in these shoes and becoming the observer at the same time. So that is a bit of a dichotomy, but that's what we're working with here. So to really look at him, you know, saying we have a body, he's up there with the cowboy boots. He's, you know, he's got the missing flyers, um, from his marketing background, which again, the next, uh, few shows will be getting into the history. Um, so we'll actually be going a little bit back in time, uh, leading up to this scenario, moving forward from, from this initial show. But again, that goes back to the demeanor and uh, the fact that this is just days after. So we also want to look at now we know how media works. And, and this is, again, 1981. So the fact that, you know, they are on, you know, getting this publicity locally, then moving forward to Good Morning America and, and national media platforms uh, so early on versus you know, kind of the impression that we're given of who this couple is, uh, you know, through the media. Um, I think that it's emotionally and and through the narrative, it kind of presents as this all-American couple or these, you know, this young couple that is, you know, searching in desperation for their child. Um, while at the same time, you know, we see my father repeatedly and throughout any you know, coverage of their history or anything of the story, it starts with, you know, that he was a hotel executive. Um, now, a hotel executive is not a, you know, blue collar, uh, you know, position to be having. Uh, and, you know, that does come with a certain lifestyle. It comes with, um, you know, affiliations, uh, business dealings, uh, you know, and again, we moving forward, we will be visiting that we will be picking that apart and, and we'll be looking at where my father was going, um, who his boss was at the Diplomat Hotel in Hollywood, Florida at the time, and uh, and how that might have played into uh, the disappearance of a little boy versus national um, serial killers, if you will. Yeah. You know, the speculation thing, it's a fine line from being objective and speculating. And, you know, I try to take that 40,000 foot view look and just kind of get the bird's eye view, look things over. And I've watched that video. I don't know how many times I've seen that. And every time I see it, I do think figureheads. That's the word that comes to me. Like someone that was put into a position to speak certain things. I mean, you can say puppets, whatever the word is, but it does, it seems very contrived to me. Um, I'm not saying that it's not genuine. I'm not accusing, you know, Reve and, and John of, of faking this. I'm just saying from my perspective, I can't, I, it's hard for me to understand that emotional state because if, if it was me, I'm a wreck. There's just no way I'm even able to uh, speak, especially to the media day after day. I mean, now, of course, I'd be looking for my children and, and doing what I could, but I would be an emotional wreck. But I get it. Everybody has different emotional states of mind. Some people can handle things a little differently. Um, so we want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's why I'm saying like, that's, this is, that's my opinion. Um, I think I'm entitled to that, but it's, but it's just something that I observed. I don't know if anybody in the audience is maybe later during the Q and a or comments, you can comment on that video and tell us what you think. 
that's what we want you know we want to see the different perspectives again myself as being in it but not being there you know really creates a an interesting perspective uh for myself and and to look at things um but that's what we want we want you know to hear what you think about this what your initial take is and and your um you know, intuition involving it. So please put that in comments. Please let us know and, and take the opportunity to do so. Thank you, Gina. You're very I just hit the wrong button. Sorry. Let's go to the next incident report here. Sorry. Okay. So this is, um, gosh, this one's going to be really hard to read, Megan, with that black stripe. I, I was trying to figure it out before the show and I was trying to write in what I thought it said, but I don't want to speculate what it says. Yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm just going to do my best. I'll read it. We'll try to do what we can. These are, like I said, these are old copies. So, um, okay. Will concern itself with a kidnapping. I'm assuming that's the police department will concern a kidnapping murder that occurred on July 27th, 1981 between 1200 and 1220 hours location of this offense. Uh, that's the uh, Sears location at the Hollywood mall there in, in uh, Hollywood, Florida. Something of this offense is identified as Walsh Adam, white male, date of birth 11 14 74, uh, then your home address. Adam Walsh is a six year old white male, three and a half feet tall, 45 pounds, sandy blonde hair. Something of the kidnapping. Uh, Adam was described as wearing blue shorts, white striped, sh white stripe, short sleeved shirt, beige boat, captain's hat, and a yellow uh, thong. Uh, thong. That, that's not supposed to say thong. I think they meant I think thongs is what. Yeah. That's supposed to say. Oh, thought, that's right. Thong sandals. Okay, I forgot they called them that. Okay, <laughs> that's funny. Parents are identified as Walsh Reve, white female, date of birth seven twenty four fifty one, and John, white male, twelve twenty six forty five, who resides at twenty eight zero one McKinley Street, Florida. Blah blah blah. Uh, telephone. So I'm, I'm assuming this is Reve telephoned the Hollywood Police Department to report her son Adam at the Sears was missing at the Sears store. Reve Walsh reported to the police that something in the toy department Sears while she was I think she left him in the toy department mm -hmm. at Sears while she went to purchase a lamp in the department uh, of in the lamp department of Sears. Approximately 15 minutes, Reve left Adam, returned to the toy department, and could not locate her son at this. Uh, I don't know, point. Walsh searched through the store looking for Adam and had the, uh, uh, had the something, pages, probably like the clerk, something like that, pages mm -hmm. name over the public address system. While searching for Adam, Reve Walsh came across her mother-in-law, identified as Jean Walsh, who happened to be shopping in Sears at that time. Reve asked Jean if Adam was with her, and she stated that he wasn't. Sears employees continued to page Adam's name approximately every 15 minutes with negative results. The systematic search of the Sears store and the mall was conducted by Hollywood police personnel, which concluded with negative results. A command post was then established at Hollywood Police Headquarters Detective Bureau. Hollywood Police, Citizens Crime Watch members, and concerned citizens joined in an organized search in the city of Hollywood and surrounding areas for Adam Walsh. People who were at Sears and the mall were interviewed by Hollywood police personnel in an attempt to locate any possible witnesses who may have seen Adam Walsh on that day. The following people are the individuals who may have seen Adam Walsh in Sears. Timothy Pottenberg, Angelo Esturo, 
Greg Rosari, Andrew Satillo, John Satillo, James Martin, Kathy Schaefer, and Joanne Brom. When the above-mentioned witnesses were first interviewed, it appeared that this investigation was that of a missing child incident and an in-depth and in-depth interviews were not conducted at first by the investigators. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so let's we'll find we'll find that. a lot of yeah, and and when people go through or as we go through, I think we 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 saw that a lot today. Um and and when we've been reviewing this section of records of the statement saying at the end, you know, this was not followed through on. And I will also bring up and remind people that, you know, initially my father and mother actually did speak out very much against the police handling of this case uh, and the fact that uh, they felt that it was mishandled uh, extremely. Uh, his first book, Tears of Rage, I, I know he had to have a lot of um, uh, liability, if you will, for that and, and what he was speaking out about. So that's another interesting point that John and Revae Walsh initially come out uh, you know, criticizing policing, especially local policing, uh, when we see, you know, the national and federal level that their efforts have achieved now and, and the focus is more on versus uh, a local community effort. Um, so I found that very interesting, to be honest. Uh, you know, this push of a local effort was corrupt. And, and you know, it was, you know, they he came out about the chief of police at the time being an alcoholic and, uh, you know, a lot of issues. But again, when we get into the history of who John Monahan is, that was one of the biggest uh, things that that really made a turn and, and started this, you know, assault on my life, if you will, and taking of my children was that realization of who is John Monahan, who, is, you know, how is he affiliated with the Hollywood Police Department? What was he affiliated with in his personal and business life through the Diplomat Hotel and things of that nature? So that's definitely something I just want to interject. Um, again, we're we're just getting into these things. This is a bigger picture. This is a series we're doing. So you're going to have to, you know, just keep things in the back of your mind. We're going to observe and process and and we're going to talk about it. But um you know, I, I also want to say I made a couple notes while we're while we're watching and reading through these things. And, you know, when we review the affidavits, we will start to see this big emphasis as well as on, on the lamps and that there was a lamp sale that day. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll make sure to pull it up next time. And please remind me, Gino, um, the statements from my father about how, you know, this lamp was on sale. They had been looking at it through the um, you know, the the newspaper and waiting for it to go on sale, that he was such a diligent husband to, you know, see it, that it went on sale and clip it out for my mother and bring it home. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I will bring this up again when we review the affidavits, especially from James Campbell, uh, who we're just bringing up now for the first time in, in this episode and, and, and on this show, but I have spoken about him in the past. And uh, he's a very key player in this whole scenario. And James Campbell would be my mother's significantly younger uh, live-in lover uh, at the time that Adam went, went missing. He had actually moved out about two or three weeks roughly prior to the disappearance. And, and this has been a big pull for me 
Um, I can't wait to get to next week, honestly, to review the affidavits um, and be able to talk more in depth. It's a little hard uh, just giving these intros and kind of going over just the initial uh, reports uh, when I can't wait to get to the real affidavits of those that uh, the, the key players, right? So we've got John Reve and this James Campbell, um, who actually was a best friend of my father's boss, uh, John Monahan, that I was just speaking of, his younger, or his son, excuse me. Uh, so my father did meet James Campbell uh, initially before my mother, and that was when he was about 12 or 13 years old. And he's a big player that we will be bringing up and kind of showing the evolution of his relationship with my parents, um, being that you know, uh, that that first 12 or 13 year old meeting by the diplomat hotel while my father was a cabana boy um, and how my father kind of moved into that executive position um, and and how James and my father's relationship grew to the point with my mother uh, to the point of him being named Adam's godfather uh, at 19 years old, not being a family member, not, you know, any of this, but at 19 years old being named uh, the godfather of Adam. And next show, we'll kind of get into the nitty gritty of that relationship uh, that was going on in that house. But I think that that's a big deal to bring up as well as the fact that, um, you know, this running into my grandmother, you know, my mother running into my grandmother, um, you know, the Boca Mall or the Hall, excuse me, the Hollywood Mall, my grandmother would always go to the Boca Mall, uh, the Hollywood Mall, you know, was was definitely a hot spot. I understand that we have to keep the context of the times. You know, a lot of people will say, well, leaving your child, you know, at, at that point was not a big deal. That was, you know, what we did a lot, you know, in those days. Absolutely. Like, that's very, very fair. That's something that we take into account. But we also have to be looking at Again, next week will make a big difference in setting up really what was going on in the home and what was going on in the lives of the people involved around this little boy. Yes, and I think you're going to notice, the audience is going to notice the varying time uh, that seems to just, I don't know, <laughs> it, it changes all the time. You know, one of the yeah, things I noticed, Megan, when I... Point. Yeah, you yeah, that, And we'll get into, I don't want to get too far into the weeds because we will definitely discuss all that. Um, but, yeah. you know, one of the things that always fascinated me, you brought it up, is this lamp. I mean, I, this lamp must have been the greatest lamp ever um, because it's brought up, I don't even know how many times in these reports. And you think, okay, well... I, I don't know if, if I was being questioned, I would just say, yeah, I was, I was shopping and I was, you know, over in this department and then my, my son went missing. I don't know if I would be that specific on what I was actually purchasing. I mean, unless I was asked, I guess then I would, I would tell you, but it doesn't seem like that should be a focal point that this, this lamp has to keep be uh, being brought up and reiterated over and over again. Well, and that, that's the point, you know, is yes, we understand, obviously, when you're dealing with the police and your child's missing, you want to be as accurate as possible. So, you know, saying specifically that there was a lamp sale and whatnot, but is it is this redundance. It's almost giving me like stranger things, if you will. But, you know, it's, it's this, um, you know, redundance and emphasis on certain aspects of that day, right? in general. So the lamp is one, the races of the boys and the the argument that ensued around um the the video game, 
you know, these kinds of things repeatedly come up, as well as when we start moving into in future episodes, the Sears case that transpired after the disappearance of my brother. My parents then went on to sue Sears department store or attempt to um, where they ended up dropping the case. And that that'll be an episode on its own, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, they ended up dropping the case because of this, uh, you know, these time discrepancies, as you brought up. Uh, my father has gone on for years saying, you know, Reve only left him for, you know, three to five minutes. I mean, the time always varies uh, on how much, but when they actually went into court uh, and were, you know, attempting to sue Sears for damages, not only uh, was Sears able to prove that it was over 90 minutes, um, as well as discrepancies in my father, one, sometimes he'll say, oh, they did call Adam's name over the loudspeaker, Sometimes when he's doing Code Adam and he's fighting for legislation for something that he needs to get for the National Center, then it's, you know, we find that it's, oh, no, they didn't call his name over the loudspeaker and different variables of that, uh, which, you know, all of the records as well as we have, you know, if people want to go into it or, or want to find that specifically, we do have, you know, the uh, statements from the women working that day stating how they called over, uh, you know, the loudspeaker for Adam's name, as well as the congruent uh, reports, you know, documenting such. So that was definitely something that came up and then proving that it was 90 minutes, not just a few, as well as the fact that James Campbell uh, did make statements. He was very for upfront about things. Um, and he did make statements that my parents actually uh, tried to, uh, and I wish, I, I'm sorry, I apologize tonight that we didn't have um, another proof of that because we do have the proofs of it, um, but to pull up tonight, but for them to actually dismiss the case because the judge had decided um, and, and against their their motion to uh, to exclude James Campbell's uh, affidavit and his statements, which his statements were regarding, uh, you know, basically the lifestyle that uh, was in the household at that time, uh, the dynamics between my parents and and him, you know, the three of them, uh, and and all of that. So the judge did decide that she was not going to accept their motion. She would keep in his affidavit. She felt that it was very. Um, imperative to the trial that was happening and the issue at hand, because it really gave a demonstration of what, again, that we're going to keep going. I will become a broken record, I'm sure, about this. But again, what was going on, what the lifestyle, what the environment of, you know, that was going on around this child when he suddenly disappears. And I think for myself, that is one of the you know most crucial and viable. I'm definitely one to talk against judges that are corrupt or any <laughs> corruption that goes on in the system, but I am also the first one to give credit where credit is due. Sure. And you know what we are finding from looking at these records, as I mentioned, this huge criticism of the police department and everything, and, and maybe that's true. And we will get into the corruption, the potential corruption, we'll get into the potential loopholes and, and discrepancies that they didn't follow through or maybe what was going on uh, in those departments. 
in the bigger picture but you know to to keep the focus on what was this again really going on we've got all these different takes of what happened that day we've got people that saw different things we've got you know people that come forward years later that we're going to get into with 1997 96 97 you know things are still going on but to really keep a focus on what was this situation when this occurred and leading up to what this occurred? So I think that I, I definitely got off on a tangent. We're not talking about the lamp section anymore, for sure. But, you know, I, I just do want to, as I always do, I want to be explaining. This is such a big picture. This is, you know, yes, the totally. viewers, you know, viewers, you're going to have to give grace to the fact that we are navigating these with you. We are talking this out with you in real time, um, you know, and and really wanting to get feedback. That's what we're here. We're laying things out. We're giving our, you know, little thoughts or maybe things that, you know, not necessarily to sway, but that stood out to us. And, and we sure. really want that, you know, to, to be fruitful for all of us. Well, along those lines, get them reds over in Rumble says grandma shows up out of the blue. That's not suspicious. Now, I got to say that was when I, I remember the first time I read this report and I saw it, I'm like, wait a minute. She shows up and, and in the same store, like, I don't know what the odds are. I mean, the mall's probably sizable. I'm assuming there's quite a few stores yeah. there. And I mean, that yeah. does happen. I, I know I've been at the mall and you run into somebody, but it's it just seems very odd on that particular day that she happens to be there and i i don't know i again i'm not going to go into the weeds with it but it is something to think about and uh, i'm sure we're going to discuss that at some length in future episodes too so yeah get them reds i was on the same wavelength wavelength with you brother and, that, and that's what we want we want you all to be telling us that you know we're not here it's a very hard thing like we keep saying right you know it's like we want so to be hard. presenting this but you know we can't you know it's occam's razor you guys like we really can't be sitting here you know when and that's the whole point of looking back at this this is what the point that we're all going to eventually get to i i really truly believe and i'll state here you know we're all going to end up at these places of saying like well how did the you know i get it like maybe it was a small you know thing but we're in hollywood florida this is a larger mall you know it's local okay maybe but we're running into the the mother-in-law and then there's the brother-in-law that's there on the the car with the map and he's used as the alias that we'll get into you know in the future he's used as the alias you know for saying oh i i brought i told john at work and then i went to the beach and found james campbell and told him that adam was missing and you know, then James and Rave Walsh have, you know, their their times all mixed up as we brought up in this episode. So I'll say it here. You know, they they have their times all messed up. Rave is saying that she her watch wasn't working that day. James is saying he didn't have his watch that day. Uh, so, yes, the, that's an example of of what we we want to hear, you know, your your opinions. We want your opinions. We're trying not to give you ours, but we want yours. Right? Is that fair, Gina? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And it, gosh, it is so hard for me, Megan. I've always been opinionated my whole life. So this is really difficult. This is like training ground for me. Okay, so there was one more thing I wanted to touch on. You brought up a great point about when your dad was up in the car. Now, there are actually two things I want to say. It seems to me if he is going to be a figurehead or they're, or they're using him for something else, as we're kind of assuming right here, or I am assuming, I shouldn't say we're, I am, um, you need to be propped up, literally. 
on a stage. And what better mm -hmm. place than on a car hood in front of your peers? Um, but then also you brought up that he mentions we haven't found a body yet. Now, if you know anything about this case, uh, folks watching the show, he was found decapitated. So the body and the head were not together in the same location. So it is weird. I mean, I, when I think of a body, I, I got to say for me personally, I think of a body with a head on it. But I could also mm -hmm. see how it could be just a body missing the head. So right. I, I, again, that's something I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, audience, when we get to the Q&A. What, what do you think about what Megan brought up about that? That was a good mm -hmm. point. I, I agree, you know, it's, I want to hear because these are things that have kind of irked me and I will be glad to hear that, you know, we're, we're crazy, Gina. I'd love to hear. <laughs> what, what do you think about him being up on the hood? And I know your mom actually got up there too at one point. He helped her up. Well, what's interesting to me, again, coming from a background and born into the industry, right? I, I find it very interesting, especially in fashion and media and all of it. I will say, and, and maybe people think that this is, uh, you know, speculative. And, and again, we're trying to say that we're st sticking to the facts, but, you know, this is also a, a dichotomy here we're dealing with. So we're dealing with facts, but our purpose here is to really be questioning what we've been given, right? Or looking at the original stuff and seeing how that compares to what we've been given. So for me, the fact that it's days after, again, everyone grieves differently. We want to look at it from all perspectives. But what really stands out to me actually is the wardrobe and the demeanor. I, I look at, you know, body language. I try to put myself, uh, you know, in the other person's shoes. I have lost now more than one child. Luckily, you know, or by the grace of God, not luck, but by the grace of God, uh, they are, you know, they're still alive. They're, you know, nothing's happened to them yet uh, or at all. Um, but now I'm getting scared at what I'm saying. But no, I, I think that it's definitely interesting to look at the fact that, you know, again, my mom has, this is days after their child's disappeared. Um, she seems kind of catty about, you know, I want everyone to use their detective uh, stuff. She's got the trench coat on like a detective. He's on the hood. And really what stands out to me, I, I hate to say it's, it's really random, but the cowboy boots, you know, the demeanor, the cowboy boots, you know, it's very like, um, you know, not not disjointed or like, you know, maybe if you are having, I guess, you know, I know because I've had to stand on platforms and, you know, people have watched me for the past two and a half years get up on podcasts and things and, and speak while I'm literally being terrorized and my children taken and things are happening in real time. So I absolutely understand that. But you know, this cowboy boots and we know Florida and the good old boys club and, you know, cocaine cowboys and Hollywood. I mean, again, this, moving forward, we will start getting into, you know, the history and the surrounding things. That's the point of this. But we are, I know, Gino, you can probably agree with me. We're trying to do our best at just kind of presenting documents with then also our feedback and, and the bigger picture mm -hmm. that we know. And, and if people can just bear with us on, on now navigating yeah. how how to do that the best that we can yeah and this is our first show doing this so i mean it's really kind of getting the feel for it and where it's going to go i mean when we really get into the meat and potatoes of this thing 
Um, I just thought it was interesting that the cowboy boots struck me too. I mean, I think of like, you know, the white hats are coming in to save the day and, and you kind of think of, you know, old cowboy movies and things like that. There's kind of that mm -hmm. symbolism there too. But again, that's just me, me thinking out loud. But um, all right, well, why don't we go to another um, early interview from a local news station here? And this was, I believe this was at, at your house. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Megan, when we when I uh, show this here. Let's see, which one was it? I just lost it. Oh, here. Marie the Walsh returned last night from a trip to Orlando and to Tampa, talking to reporters in hopes someone will remember something that could lead to the safe return of the six-year-old son, Adam. Hollywood police have released this composite sketch of a woman witnesses say may have been with Adam in an amusement park in Fort Lauderdale. The woman has dark hair and wears glasses, and police say they are looking for help trying to find her. John Walsh says he may take a trip to New York to spread the word nationwide after this recent trip. I still believe that somehow we'll reach the people that have Adam and they'll realize that we don't want to hurt them or we don't want to prosecute and, and maybe they'll realize that, you know, how much, uh, how much hurt they've caused by taking Adam and maybe they'll let him go somewhere. At Hollywood Police Headquarters, detectives are trying to locate the woman who matches the composite drawing. Flyers about Adam are all over Dade and Broward counties and even Canada. Donations to help find Adam has grown to $120,000. Reva Walsh had a message for anyone who may have Adam in their custody. We would donate any money they needed to help themselves or to help their problem. But we know Adam needs to be home, and, and Adam will never have a grudge against anyone that was kind to him. Mel Taylor, Newswatch. So, Megan, the uh, first time I saw that, I was, I don't recall there ever being another suspect that was a woman. Like, that was the first time I had ever heard that. Yeah, uh, well, we, yes, you're, you're not alone in that. And we had never really heard of that as well. Um, when I did see this and the suggestion that there was another woman or at a park, uh, it really made me look back at um, and think of, it brought to mind, excuse me, the uh, Adam in the movie that came after uh, the disappearance. So we have a big movie that comes out, Adam, and there was another one, Adam, his song continues. But in the original movie, uh, it does say, you know, of course, it's a family approved script. Uh, I was on set as a as a baby, you know, out in California while they're filming this with Dan Travanti, and I'm sure we'll we'll get into that as well in a future show. Um, but this in in the movie, actually, if people go back, there is a specific scene where uh, my mother is at home and she receives a phone call. She picks up the phone and on it. I'm going to horribly paraphrase uh, and we'll get more specific because, you know, I'm anal about that. But uh, in in the film, she she picks up the phone and on the other end is a woman. And she does say something along the lines of, you know, we're calling. We are Adam's new family. And he, you know, has an ATV or, you know, something she says to that effect. And, you know, he's doing really well. And in the scene, my mother then flips out and says, no, he's dead. You know, Adam's, you know, not alive and hangs up the phone. So the fact that these little things are interjected in our, you know, out to the public, but yet aren't paid attention to, I think is, is really the point there. Um, and then we will process and kind of work that into the rest of the bigger picture as we go along. But I think that that's definitely something to point out, as well as the fact, again, of this, like, 
you know, we are in 2023. Um, you know, anyone again that's followed my story and Gino as we as we started, we have been in this fight even just about the corruption within CPS and family courts. Uh, my family or my story specifically for the past two and a half years, and to be able to be on media platforms, you know, the day after, the two days after, three, five, eight days after. Uh, a disappearance is is really an accomplishment. I mean, I, I'm not taking that away from anything, but you know that's that is saying something to have these platforms. Who did my father know? Uh, who did they know to be able to uh, you know have these these platforms and this you know these eyes on that level? Um, I will remind the public of the the Eton Pats uh, case that did happen right before Adam's disappearance in Manhattan. So, you know, Adam's disappearance is, it's another interesting point that Adam's disappearance really became this large, you know, overpowering, you know, set all this precedent, set this this forward trajectory, if you will, that we have to present day. Um, and, and Eton Pats actually was one of the original nationally known children right before Adam went missing. Um, and that does incorporate people will remember Johnny Gosh and different things like that. So I, I want to be throwing things out that people, you know, everything resonates differently with different people. So from your experiences, from, you know, where you lived at the time or different things like that, maybe you're aware of things that you you weren't before. But I do want to remind people of that case because it did happen before and it kind of did set up, you know, a lot of correlating details um, that we will get into in the future. I also want to bring emphasis to the $120,000 reward uh, in 1981. Uh, we know that that is an extreme amount of money, especially for 1981. Uh, and, you know, where was that coming from? Again, that, you know, we have to remember the hotel connections. We have to then be taking into account the reality of, you know, who my parents were, what what actual money they were making, who their affiliations were um, leading up to this incident. Um, and and again, I, I have a feeling that we'll be replaying those videos, Gino, in the future and referring to them to, to make more points about that. But I do want to be a little vague because I, I want feedback on, on what people's thoughts are. Absolutely. You know, I think it's important to note that there really was never a motive established in the beginning of this case. Um, it was kind of this mysterious, like this mystique that that was out there of like, gosh, what could have happened to this poor child? Um, now, later on, it got resolved um, and the murder was solved. I'm using that in quotes, both of them. Um, well, even with so, the solving, I'm going to interrupt for a second with all due respect, mm -hmm. you know, but even the resolving of it, you know, still presented the stranger danger. So I, I think I'll leave it at that. Yeah, no, great point. Great point. Okay, so uh, we're at the hour mark uh, exactly. So, folks, we're gonna we are definitely gonna try to keep these to an hour because the, these long shows just they're they're really hard to to you know wait out and people are tired. It's late at night, and I know this is what are we midnight already. So, a um, couple questions. If information as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you guys if you have comments or questions, there's a couple I've already seen in the chat. I'll go ahead and read those. But if you have more, just go ahead and add them to the Rumble chat or the Foxhole chat. Uh, let's see. Prison for Priest said, this is jumping ahead, but is the detective from back then one in the same as the recent judge working with John Walsh on removing your kids, Megan? 
or did I misconstrue some information? Uh, it, it, thank you for that question and, and having that, you know, connection and, and ingenuity. Uh, it is not the same judge. I will say uh, that moving forward, once we kind of start moving into the space of combining what the history was with what is presently happening with myself, um, we will see a lot of correlations, but there are questions in terms of as we know, the sheriff's department is a big, you know, contention for me with with my case, Indian River Sheriff's Department, as he's bringing up, uh, and the judges. The judge that is in my case, uh, the main judge, uh, Robert Meadows, he actually worked for the sheriff's department for 16 years. He was known as a hothead. Uh, they really wanted to get rid of him because of his uh, temper, his know-it-all, his everything. Uh, but in some form or fashion, he was married into the department. Um, and so they basically demoted him to every desk job that they could before he ended up leaving himself um, to spare him humiliation. Uh, it was his former sheriff that he served under Wheeler, even stated himself when Meadows went up for election to be judge. Um, after leaving the department, becoming a criminal attorney for some years, uh, going to some sort of law school, um, then he went up for election uh, for judge. And even his former sheriff uh, stated in articles, and maybe that's a great point to bring up in the future, that he would not even vote for uh, for Robert Meadows to be uh, to be a judge, never mind a dependency judge and everything like that. So um, it is not the same, but the uh, sheriff's department that is uh, involved currently, um, the original sheriff is Daryl Lohr, uh, and and he also worked with Meadows. So these people all work together. That's That's what people need to understand, and that's why this is a great point to bring up is that this is generational. We're looking at generational things here. We're looking at patterns. We're looking at connections and how that keeps moving forward or what you know corruption is going on within small communities because this is what we all live in. This is what affects all of us. Um, and we're seeing that on more of a... Um, you know, extreme level at this point. And, and my father, you know, with, again, the most respect I can, I can actually have, you know, is, is seeming and, and coming forward as part of this larger picture of, you know, corruption, police corruption, um, that former sheriff is Daryl Lohr, uh, so now they have worked together and known each other for 40 years since the day my brother's head was found in the town that we ended up moving to and I grew up in, which is which is another uh, interesting point. So, so no, not directly connected, but we have to start looking at these pictures of how these rackets are connected, uh, how these people are connected, and how that is even coming into present day and the issues that we're dealing with. So... Uh, no, not a direct connection, but we will be getting into as, as, as vague as I can keep it, you know, right now without getting into everything. Uh, there, there are questionable connections, so you are not wrong uh, to go down that avenue. Is that fair, Gina? Oh, I think that was great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Prison for Priests again says, John Walsh said, we haven't found a body, followed by, we think he is alive, correct? Yes, he did state that. Uh so I don't know if, if you're 
I'm not exactly sure how you're phrasing the question, so I don't want to put words in your mouth. But I think you're saying, because we were talking about, you know, he says body, and that could be with a head or without a head. Um, but then he also did follow it by saying, we haven't found a body. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point to bring up, because like we said, we want to keep this on the fair. You know, everybody, let's just keep it on a level playing field. Um, and he did say that. So, uh, and, and I, I, I will go ahead. Sorry, Gina. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and I, I mean, well, and I want to say something to that. I want to give the viewers the knowing that, you know, our plan, Gino, you'll agree, uh, moving forward is for the next episode to really be looking at the some certain affidavits of key players um, at the time, not years later, not 1996, 97, which we'll eventually get into, but at that time. Uh, affidavits of John and Reve Walsh, of James Campbell, of people surrounding. Um, but then the, I know that we, I hate to say it, I don't know how to say this non, uh, you know, shockingly, but the next episode after that will be specifically regarding uh, the finding of Adam's head uh, and and what is, is surrounding that. Um, it, it is an episode and more in itself. So thank you for bringing that up and, and please keep that in mind moving forward. For sure. Our good friend, Leo Beachy, uh, they don't want to hurt mm -hmm. the person that took their child. What? Yeah. Mm, I'm, yeah, I think I would probably have a much different sentiment. I would suppose like if that was happening to me, I'd be angry. Uh, you know, I'm a, let me put it this first. I'm a, I'm a Christian first. So before I was a Christian, I probably would have done something very drastic. Now I think I have more self-control, but I got to say, when it comes to your family, you know, and you're the guy, you're the husband, you're the provider and the protector, I'd, I'd be pretty ticked off. Yeah, well, and I'll play devil's advocate, you know, maybe it was a tactic, right? So we're sitting here, we just want our son back. That's all we care about right now. You know, I will play that devil's advocate. I'm not sure. here to tear my parents down. I'm not here to tear this case apart or anyone's mm -hmm. work that, that have, has done on it. But we, we definitely want the truth and we haven't been given that. So you know, maybe, maybe that, that could be the case and viable, but I, I have to agree, uh, that that should be a point that we keep in the back of our minds. No, that's, that's also a good point though. I mean, because if you think that your child is with someone that could do them harm, you don't want to antagonize them into doing that harm. So yeah, I mean, that's, let's, it, it, that's a good point. To me, and when I was doing, personally speaking, when I was looking at that, obviously, I feel the same way. I think that's very interesting how soft. Um, I think, Gina, if we can make a note for the next episode to pull uh, the clip that's coming to mind where my father is even more poignant about that to say, you know, we're willing to trade, our, we're willing to sacrifice. He's very poignant to use the words, we're willing to sacrifice ourselves. Um, that that did stand out to me very much, um, especially after looking at the uh, the affidavits and the polygraphs and stuff that we'll be going over on the next uh, the next show. Yeah, we will definitely uh, bring that up. Uh, All American Truth Seeker. I've heard Adam is Ron DeSantis. Yeah, there's that rumor too. There's a few rumors floating out there. Uh, yeah, I don't well, think it's Ron DeSantis. Adam Walsh, Adam Walsh is not Ron DeSantis. And I, I mean yeah. that with all respect. Like, I'm not mad mm -hmm. at anyone saying that. Like, we're all here doing our best, right? And that's been a huge narrative 
Uh, I have asked Ron DeSantis personally to denounce that. Um, we've spoken with his media department, who acted very concerned at the time and then absolutely ghosted us, um, as well as about this case and the, the child trafficking that's going on in his state that he is further funding. Um, but that's when we do my other work, right? Not we're trying to stay in one we're, yeah we're trying to stay in one lane yeah Ron, let's just put it this way Ron DeSantis is not one of our favorites we'll just leave it at that <laughs> Ron oh, DeSantis man. needs to be held accountable and he needs mm -hmm. to answer some things let's just leave it at that including whether he's Adam Walsh or not I think that that's very bizarre that he wouldn't come out and uh, denounce that I think so, too. Well, all right. Good crowd over there on Rumble. Thank you guys for watching tonight. I don't see any more questions. Guys, we'll give you another couple right. seconds here. If you want to drop some comments or questions before we go, you're more than welcome to. We've got a few more minutes if you want. But if not, we're going to close up shop. I think we, uh, we, we broke the ground for the first episode. We kept it kind of easy and simple. But it, it is going to get deep, folks. So... As we go further into this, I think you're going to be scratching your head and you're going to want to dig into these files yourself. If you love investigating and, and doing some deep dives, this is the case. There is just, it's endless, honestly. It is just endless material and evidence out there that I believe is going to possibly change some minds out there. Because I know there's some people that stick to the original narrative, but I think if you look at it objectively, I think mm -hmm. your, your mind is probably going to, think a little differently at the end of this. You know, Gino, we don't need everyone, you know, and the work that I do, you know, again, I'm not here state. I haven't said one way or another, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, everyone has their opinions. I've never stated one way or another. Um, I think that as you know, I'm getting closer to my several possible hypotheses in this, which I know people are interested in that I want to be very careful about and very diligent about. Um, and, you know, going through the trauma of the past two and a half years and the daily, um, you know, domestic terrorism, I guess I hate to have to use such a dramatic term, but it's logistically what it is, uh, you know, every day has, has definitely been something to navigate and trying to relay this information and, and kind of move through it. But I really want to thank the viewers for always supporting, for joining and, and really being patient in the fact that, you know, I mean, I think it's kind of cool. Like we're all moving through this together. It's, we're all dealing with hardships and hard times, but if we can kind of look at these things that might have larger implications, might be affecting present day and where we're at, especially within the protection, exploitation and abuse of our children, uh, the destruction of our nuclear families and within America, um, and what American child trafficking looks like and is, uh, I do feel that this is vital. Um, again, we kept it light tonight because this is an introduction and, you know, it, it is a lot of information. It's, it's very heavy information. And, um, you know, people do shut off. We know that, right? You know, people definitely shut off uh, when we're talking about these, these heavy topics and, and questioning things that we have been told a narrative and we have been given, you know, a very heroic 
result from. Um, but again, now in our current state, especially in America, we are seeing that maybe what we thought was good or what we handed power over to, especially with our own taxpayer money and dollars and our, our hardworking efforts, uh, maybe we do need to be more diligent about that. And, and that's something that is the root of my motivation uh, behind exploring this um, for the American people and, and specifically for our children and families. Well said. Guys, mm -hmm. uh, if you want to follow Megan, you can go over to, I was going to say Twitter, but it's X, at Megan Walsh underscore. If you feel so inclined to uh, donate to Megan and her um, cause and what's going on with her children, uh, PayPal, Megan Walsh Consulting, or Cash App, dollar sign, M Walsh Consulting. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, please join us again. Uh, I believe we will be back next Saturday at 11 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And like I said, we will start getting into the weeds. Today was just scratching the surface just, just to give you guys a taste. But it's going to get really deep fast and it's it's going to be fun it's actually I, I hate to say fun because it seems like such a weird thing to say but I, it is it's enjoyable in the sense that maybe we can bring some closure you know mm -hmm. to to this matter and and even in your personal life megan i mean i my condolences still go out to you i mean it's your brother for crying out loud and this is your family and that that's got to be difficult and you're such a courageous person uh one of the most courageous women i've ever met in my life honestly this i <laughs> you're just an amazing person and I just really appreciate our friendship and everything uh, that you've had to endure on a daily basis and I'm just so proud of you so guys um, have a blessed night Megan any last words before we go well, first of all, I couldn't do it without you, Gino, and our, our great team behind us. And, and that's what I look forward to as the show and, and the work that we do progresses. Um, really getting to, you know, you know, I always say I've had four babies naturally. And, you know, when you <laughs> think that you can't do it and you're going to die, that's that's yeah, sorry, when the beautiful yeah. gift comes and the pain is gone. So I, you know, we've all watched so much pain and, and hardships and in every respect come to the people of America. And, and across this globe, especially these past years, obviously, I'm referring to. Um, and so I know that once we can get through the brunt work here and, and the hard stuff, that there is a great uh you know, thing waiting for us on the other side. As you know, we have better, and I always say we have better ways, my better ways campaign yes. between corruption, how we handle children, how we handle families, but, but also coming together over these issues. We have a lot of history to our country. We have a lot of history in terms of true crime and cold cases, which is what we're talking about here tonight and moving forward. Um, and so I think that it is important for, you know, for people to really be looking and questioning the, the hard stuff that we don't want to so that we can get to uh, better resolution and, and better ways and, and true protection of our children as, as difficult as that might be. So if we can keep it fun in some way, you know, I'm always here for that, but, yes. but it is hard nonetheless. And, and I want to acknowledge that for, for the public and, and for the viewers. Sure. Well, guys, on your way out, if you wouldn't mind, can you please click that thumbs up on Rumble if you feel so inclined? And also the red pill over there on Foxhole. We would definitely appreciate it, especially on Rumble. That gets us in the algorithms and uh, gets more eyes on the subject because we believe this is, a, this is a very important subject for what is happening today, just like Megan said earlier. There's a lot of implications from Adam's case that we are experiencing right now. 
um, and this stuff needs to be brought to light. So we would appreciate it. Have a blessed evening, everybody. We will see you back next Saturday evening, 11 p.m. for Reexamined with Megan Walsh. Have a great night. God bless. God bless.